Okay, guys. Um, by the way of an introduction, um, we got many things today vying for our attention, our love, our mind, our affection, our time. And uh, like a mortar flame, we rush in and we don't see the dangers until it's too late. From religious leaders, life coaches, motivational speakers, philosophers, psychologists, rappers, everyone who has a blog on YouTube, they're telling you how you can have a better life, live your best life now. Um, do what's best for you. And who don't like it, they can jump. That can be put in stronger words, but for this purposes, we'll leave it at that. And if we learned anything over the past couple of weeks, listen to Pastor Rob, and the teachings we had to do with doctrine, we know that's not the case. Your best life is not now, and it's not going to happen until Jesus comes. We've been justified, sanctified, and we'll be glorified. If you're anything like me, after processing all this information, the television hits out at you, you're on the bus, wherever you find yourself, you get all this information coming at you. Sometimes you get so confused, you lose track of where you are, what you've been doing, or where you were going. And uh, you start asking yourself questions. What is it all about? What is life all about? And the sad thing about it is that even as believers, we buy into all of these ideologies that comes at us every day. And we forget the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That as believers, it meant to supersede everything else we hear. So the question begs asking, and this is the topic of today's message. What position have you placed God in your life? And the scripture which I'll read is Psalms 16.8. It says, I have placed the Lord, I not placed, but set the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I have set the Lord before me always. That's David writing. And you see him owning the action of placing the Lord before him at all times and also making a conscious effort to do that. And you see here as well that you almost could visualize when you read it. It's saying, Mark is at my right hand. You could see him being there. He knows the Lord is there. Why could he say this? It's because he knows who he believes in. He knows who he can rely on. He knows where his confidence is. And it's in God. In days gone by, the kings they had, as you know, David was a king, they had counselors, people who they will always be at their right hand to give them counseling on the spur of the moment. Today, you may put it in a different wording. You may say, my right hand man, or the young people like to say, my bud, 
my diet or the ladies like to say my rider rider die chick so you have all these things kind of saying the same thing that you got somebody who you go to when you need some advice but the scripture says in God we got a wonderful counselor he is the one we should be going to David knew this not only that but David even qualifies it even more. He said, I shall not be moved. So if I know who I'm riding with, I'm not going to change that person for somebody who I've just met. I'm not going to go to anybody for advice who I've just met. In that regard, as believers, we turn to the word, we turn to God. Um, I'm going to just give a brief definition of said because I'm going to use the word interchangeably with putting God before you, but it still falls into the same thing as setting the Lord before you. Um, it's a verb, so it's an action. It's something you do. Um, it's to lay, to put, to settle. Right? So we saw David here setting the Lord before him. You cannot be selfish or self-centered, be all about me, and say you love God. In doing so, you may fall foul of making the word of God null and void. In that, the first two com commandments commands us to love the Lord your God, and the second one is to have no idols. What, you tell, what may happen if you do that is that the Lord fades away from your life. He's no longer the focus of your life. He's no longer the numero uno. Mark 12, 30, 31. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these two. In there, you could say everything else a matter of fact, the first four commandments deals with the Lord, and the next six hangs on those four, which is to do with how we relate with each other. Don't steal, don't lie. No adultery. Yeah, and it goes on. Don't covet. But in terms of where we place the Lord, when we look at it, you sit back and you listen to people talk, even Christians. You hear people saying, especially, and this will always come to the forefront of your mind when you say, those who honor God with their lips, but not with their hearts. You listen to the award ceremonies, and everybody's like, I want to thank the Lord first. You know, he's been so good to me for blessing me with this, blessing me with that. And when you look at their life, it is in total rebellion to the scripture of God. The lyrics of their songs is degrading to women. It portrays violence, which is not what the Lord is about. Thou shalt not murder. Not only that, some may say, but I live a good life. I don't need to have the Lord. I don't need him as much. You guys are good. You must be in need of a savior. You need a crutch. But we all do. Even as believers, we recognize that we are sinners. A matter of fact, what they should say is that I thank the Lord of this world because 
that's who they worship. In Second uh, Corinthians 4, 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You can't take one without the other. Some people say, Jesus is a stumbling block. We kind of get that. But here it's saying you can't take one without the other. Before I go any further, let me just put this out. When I say putting God first, I don't mean putting him one, two, three, or God, family, work, relationship, or however you want to put it. I mean God is everything. He's your beginning, your end. The first thing when you make up, the last thing when you go to bed, and in between. Amen. He should be weaved into the fabric of your life, mm -hmm. like, no, like nothing else. All right? Is God an afterthought in your life? Have you been forgiven much, so you love much? Is he the genie in your lamp that when you rub, when things are going hard and you want to get a response, you say, you know what, let me pull the Lord out and let me just rub him. He's going to help me out here. He's going to bail me out of this situation. Is he there only when things are good and you're feeling high and you're like, wow, God is good today. And tomorrow, when things are bad, you put him, you're like, nah, this God, he doesn't work for me. He's not existing. He's not real. Or is he only there when things are bad? Is he just one more thing you need to do, I need to do, on my daily things or things to do? So you just tick in the box as you go along. You know, I get up this morning, I pray, tick. I get up this morning, I didn't pray. Oh, I need to do it now, tick. I need to do this, tick, tick. And you take the list as you go along. Is he that? Have we fully submitted to him? Have I fully submitted to him? Are you angry with the Lord because somebody told you, you know what, this Christian walk is going to be all rosy. It's going to be all good from here on out. And when you get in there, you realize day after day, minute by minute, it ain't like that. All you get is trials and tribulations. And then when you think, all right, I think that's my lot, it comes again. And you're like, man, I thought that was it. And you realize things could get worse, and it does get worse. You don't really want God. All you want is an escape from life. And you listen to the teachings in church on television, and they tell you what? You know, this is an easy ride, man. So you decide you know what, I'm cool with that. I could sign up to that. It doesn't ask me much. But the Bible says count the cost. Have you counted the cost and say it's too much? So you know what, it's not that I don't want you, Jesus. I don't want to be in your graces. I don't want to make you the Lord of my life. It's just that it's too much. And many people have turned away from the faith because why? When they count the cost and they see what they have to give up, like the rich young ruler, when the Lord, when he said, I've kept all these commandments, I've done this from since I was a youth, and the Lord said to him, you know what, 
give everything, come follow me. The Bible says he went away and he was sad. Me paraphrasing that. Because why? The cost was too much. He couldn't see himself giving up his riches. Have you come to the cost of what it really means to put God first? You like the fact that social activism is high on the agenda of your church. Anything socially active, you are dead. The church is involved. Because why? For many, many years, the church has sat back and let the governments and various organizations take the lead in decisions, especially when it comes to morality, that the church should have been involved in. So now, we're trying to catch up because everybody now realized that we need to do this. So the church is high on the agenda. Food bank, outreach, you name it. You could find the churches involved. Let's go out. Let's get involved. And you're like, yeah, man, I could ride with this. So you get involved. You are just hedging your bets. In case there is a God, I'll be good. You're hedging your bets. You're like, you know what? I ain't buying to this 100%. But guess what? If there is a God, you know what? I'm going to play this safe. I want to be there. I ain't into all of this hellfire. Or is it just one of the many worldviews that you looked at and the Muslims say, pray, five, pray three times a day. You have to fast for months, and you're like crazy. Me not eat for uh, nah, 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 nah. three times a day. I struggle to even do it, even though I got the freedom to pray, and I struggle to do it. I ain't, no, 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 no. Buddha says, the Buddhism says, you know what? You have to, you have to as best as you can, all your desires for pleasures of this life that the Lord give you, Suppress that away. Try to work that out of your life and you're like, no way, I can't give up chocolate. Are you crazy? Cake. <coughs> so guess what? Christianity becomes that one that is much easier to kind of work into, to figure out. Because as you look at it and you read it, you say, well, I don't really lie. I'm a good person, as many people would say. I don't cheat on my partner. I go to work. I'm, you know, if I see an old woman crossing the street, I would help them. You know, I would pick this shit up. And you're thinking, yeah, I'm cool with myself. Is it the lottery ticket to get out of debt? You're in debt and you listen to those prosperity teachers. And all you hear is like, God is going to deliver you. You give us the money, you're going to get five, not but ten. You give me 50 of a guarantee, you're going to get a hundred, a thousand back. You're given by some of them. These churches should be empty because if everybody's getting as double back when they gave, then everybody should be rich in those churches, but that's not the case. As a matter of fact, the pastors become richer, and those who there still remain in the same position. Depend on how you answer those questions. It will determine where you place God in your life. If God is just another thing to help you get through life, get through your day, then don't expect that the Lord become your beginning and your end, your everything, your all-encompassing. Putting God first is realizing it's all about Him. It's not about you. Once you realize it's not about you, then you begin to see the beauty of the Lord you begin to see what he has in store for you. 
1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of not yourself, not your friends, not to anybody else, but to God. Putting God first is being obedient to his word. You can't take what you want, obey bits, and you give the rest, and you say, you know what, nah. He says, whatever you do in work and deed, you do it unto me. Putting God first is repenting daily. Repenting daily. Going before God daily. You might like, but I don't lie. You know those situations where you're, but somebody asks you a question, and uh, as they like to say, it's a little white lie. You, you say, you don't want them to really kind of, you don't want to prolong the conversation, so you just say something just to put them at bay so they wouldn't persist in, the, in, in their line of questioning. And then afterwards you realize, I didn't really tell them the truth. I just wanted to get them off my back. It's still a lie. John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Acknowledging the Lord in all that we do, he does the rest. You put God first, you would never be lost. You put God first is guaranteed it's going to work out for you. Because not me saying that, that's not about what he says it. But guess what? There's certain conditions to that. You have to acknowledge him first in all that you do. I know this message is not one of them funny ones. I don't feel in a humorous mood today. Even when I was preparing this, you know, you always like to have a little antidote, a little joke, but I couldn't kind of, it just wasn't happening. I don't know if it's because of my week was just low, but it just wasn't happening. Oh, I guess the Lord was working on me so much more so before even sharing this with you. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord in, with all thine heart, not some of your heart, but all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That calls for total reliance upon the Lord, not on yourself, not in your ability. I don't care if you're Einstein. He ain't saying, you know what, we give you a blight. I ain't care who you are. I don't care how much you know or you don't know. He says, he, he says rely on him. Acknowledge him. And last week when we listened to Brother Bill shared, he said it's not only knowing the word. Yes, you can know this first. But do you stand on it? Do we stand on it? Does it mean anything to you apart from I know it and this is what the Bible says? Is God the big deal in your life? If he is not, then we should make him the big deal. Is it our aim to love the Lord? 
Have we settled consciously, making an effort to love the, God, the Lord our God with everything? If I had asked a question at the beginning, does everybody here love the Lord? I'm sure everybody would give me a nod of approval. Yeah, I do. How could you ask such a question? I'm in church. Come on. But then, if I then ask you, is, does the Lord mean any, every and anything to you in that all that you do is about the Lord from the moment you wake to the moment you're sleeping, you're eating, you're drinking, in your conversation, in whatever you're listening, in whatever you, you do, he is there. Would you then ask, answer it? Is there anything that takes you away from the Lord? Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? God is not self-centered. He's other-centered. Would you then say that he is, Lord, I love you. You're the primary source of my joy, my happiness. Do you have that mindset that God is everything? Is our mindset, my mindset, is it one of a godly mindset, uh, eternity mindset, in that, yes, we know you need certain things here. You, the Lord knows you need to get your materials, so, but is your mindset such that you build your treasures in heaven? Is your mindset such that, that when you converse, um, Mikey mentioned earlier, you may not be able to stand on a box Saturdays, but is your life, is it always that you, you want to share the gospel? I don't always do it. I'll be the first to put my hands up. The opportunities arise and sometimes I'm like, ugh. And you're like, after you leave, you're like, man. But is that your aim to make your mind always on God. The focus is that you have that eternity mindset. Colossians 3.2 Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. So the encouragement here is that seek God. Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Seek God first, then everything will be given unto you. The only, the best example, and the simplest one I could come up with is this. For those of you who are parents here, or those of you who have young siblings, or nephews, or nieces, they ask you for something, and you might be like, you know what, I need you to tidy up your room, and then you'll get it. Or I need you to be a bit more obedient and you'll get it. And the Lord is saying, seek first the kingdom. And guess what? Everything else you want, it will be added on. Sometimes you don't always get it because the Lord knows, you know what, that's going to that, distract you. It's, but sometimes he gives you, as you know, Rob said two weeks ago, because you, oh no, sorry, Pastor Ephraim said two weeks ago, because you want it so much, he said, okay, I'll give you. As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. That's A.W. Tozer. So from the moment you start putting God in the picture, certain problems 
third dimension. Placing him first in your life should be your daily goal, the main pursuit in the midst of all your other pursuits. So in everything you pursue in, God should be pursued first. Everything else you do it. You know, um, when I was at secondary school, my headmaster used to say, you know, after he, we would do essays and we'd bring it back in, he would, if he got two good ones, he would read them, explain them, and he said, that's the end of the class today. And when I first read Psalms 16, 8, it was, it almost came on my phone as a, you know, you get these verses coming in, and I kind of took a step back and I read it and I pondered in it. And as I considered it more and more, I realized there are many distractions in my life that kind of takes me away from what the Lord should mean to me, the position he should hold in my life. And I was almost tempted, even though I said it earlier, that he shouldn't be the one, two, three. It was almost like, yeah, you know what, I'll put the Lord there. But when you put him there, what tends to happen is that something else would precede him. Something else may become a priority over him because why? He's not everything. He's not woven into your life. He's not like, you know, when you look at the knitted jumpers, everything is just woven into and you can't get him out. You can't erase him. That's the kind of setting the Lord before us. And that's the impression I get when you look at David. When he say, I set the Lord before me, you can get the, the, the passion in, in, the, in the writing to say, you know what, the Lord has to be my everything, my beginning and my end. Um, and the beauty about this is that I'm not one to give into long messages or speaking, so this is going to be short, and Harriet would love this. <laughs> yeah? But the key is putting, the, putting God first, making God not just a priority, but the priority is what our aim should be. Not like those who honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. You say yes, you say all the writings, and I'm talking to us Christians now. We say all the writings, we do the all, all the writings, we show up at all the right places. But when you look through the lens of the word of God on your life, how does it add up? What do you see when you examine yourself? And we are called to do that daily. Examine yourself under the word. So I challenge you. You know, many times we come to church and we hear a message and we leave and we leave. We left the message right where we got it, right in church. We didn't take anything with us to, cut, to ponder on, to think on during the week. And then we wonder why certain things happen. We forget it the minute we leave the door. Hi, brother. Nice to see you. Hi, sister. Nice to see you. Have a good week. God bless. And that's about it. Ask you what was taught last week and you can't tell no one. God becomes just as a thing we do. We do it sometimes maybe because our family went to church. And there's a tradition, it's a thing we do. We go to church, we show up on church on Sundays. There are loads of people who go to church every Sunday, and you ask them why, it's like, oh, that's what we did. 
My grandma did it. My mom did it. I'm doing it. So what does the Lord mean to you? Well, he died on the cross. Okay. But yeah, what does that mean to you? Does it evoke any change in your life? After listening to, what, more than four weeks of doctrine, has it changed your life in any way? Apart from maybe you get more head knowledge? Has it stirred you up? Has it challenged you to say, you know what, I need to adjust my life. I need to get it in view of what the words say. I need to put the Lord before me. I need to see him in front of me. I need to see him around me. The challenge is great. The devil is there. He's waiting. When you step out of here, it's not going to be easy. It might be even more challenging. Because why now you might say, well, you know what, what this young man said today? Hmm, maybe it's worth considering. Where does the Lord fit into all of this? Or you maybe say, yeah, I got this. But maybe I could do a little more. But God does. He, he meets you 90, you come 10. Grace. Yeah, the Lord say, you know what? I come knocking, you respond. I do the 90, you do the 10. He done it all. In the next few weeks, we'll be celebrating Christmas. Would it be, would you get upset and you'd be, as we always be saying, oh, it's Christmas and it's all commercial. You know, I work in Costa and before Halloween finished Christmas stuff, the Christmas products were out ready to sell already. So Christmas has begun, has begun for a lot of people already in the commerce industry. They've already started to look at the profit margins for the end of the year. Have you started to look at your profit margin in terms of where you stand up with the Lord? Or are you just waiting for Christmas to roll by and say, you know what, let's come to church and give thanks. Join the guys on Christmas day. Let's share with a few meals with the homeless and encourage them. But this is more for, so firstly for me and for you guys. Because when you go out there, the challenge is that it's not just good to say I'm a Christian and I believe that Jesus died. People looking at your life and they want to see how much does he really mean? Are you going to drop everything else and make the Lord the focus point? Or people know when they come to you, Mark, and they say, Mark, say, you know what, that brother, he's a Christian. Don't ask him that. Or they want to come to another one. He's a Christian, but don't worry. Ask him. He'll, he'll happily do this to you. Putting the Lord first is realizing everything was made for him. disobedient to the word of God sometimes is not clear for us to see and um, you could be blindsided by a lot of stuff happening in your life on a daily basis and the Lord knows that he sees it but you know many moons ago we used to have Bible studies I don't know if you guys know Mark and Tab and uh, Richard was one of the first person I heard who challenged us actually and said, is God, the question he, he poses was, is God your superior pleasure? 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? Superior pleasure, never heard it before. But from then on, for months, I remember keep coming back to that question posed and asking myself, is God my superior pleasure? Could you ask yourself that question and see where you fall? Is God your superior pleasure? Or is he just God there? You're just waiting just for another day to get on with life. You know, when life hits the road, God is right there, you know. He and this is where. Sometimes as Christians, because we don't see him physically, we think he's not there, but he's there. You know, just as the enemy's right around the corner waiting for us, God is with us all times. Putting God first, remember, it doesn't mean you're last. Putting God first is just having the right perspective, the right understanding as a believer that God is everything. He created everything. He is embedded in everything. Now, how do you achieve this difficult task, you ask? Well, one, it's not very difficult, but it could be challenging. And I ask myself the question, you know, because when you study, you know, to do little Bible studies or to share, the Lord always deals with you first. And the first thing I have to realize is that you need to pray more. You need to spend more time in the Word. You need to make those times. You have to make a conscious effort. Because it's the same as any friendship, any relationship. You want to get to know someone, you're going to make time to spend with them. And trust me, if you want to get to know someone, you don't care what obstacle is in the way, you find that time. You make that time. Not so. Yeah? You don't care how far you have to travel, how many trains or buses you have to get on, you get there. Yeah, you don't care if you have to walk bits of the way, it's snowing, it's raining, you get there. And especially for those who pursued a female or a male of your, they say, you know what, let's meet, and you're like, all right. You just turn and you're like, wow, it's snowing. Man, I, I didn't think this thing through. Too much snow. God should be even more than that when it comes, you know, to making time spend with him. Repenting of the fact that, Lord, you are not woven into my life. Acknowledging the fact that we need to make him that. Not only that, but fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship for some is just Sunday, I see you, I say hello, and that's it. Who do you meet in the week? No one feeding you with the word. No one challenging you with the word. No one encouraging you during the week with the word. I heard one pastor say one time, uh, Sunday service is like McDonald's because you get a quick fix, but during the week you have nothing else to sustain you. So guess what? What you've heard on Sunday, no matter how good it may have been or how effective you think it may have been, by the time the end of the week, you're back to the same position because during the week, 
there is nothing else happening. I know it's difficult sometimes for us to get these things to happen, to go to community group, Bible studies, or whatever it may be. But find someone. Find anyone that is solid in the word that you can spend time with to encourage you. And especially if you're new to the faith or you know someone new to the faith, reach out to them. Because what you find happening is those, um, just in this week at LCM, one of the, um, they were showing us one of these um, videos of how many people, you know, who made a decision to accept Christ. And the fallout rate of that is about 80 to 90% who comes into contact with the gospel have turned their back on the gospel, on the Lord Jesus. And what you find may tend to happen when that happens is because why? There is no one there to continue to encourage them when they get a little, the road gets a little bumpy, so to speak. There is no one there. Even as seasoned believers, sometimes certain things happen in your life. Uh, the passing away of a close friend or family or even tragic events like what's happening with these young men, it could shake you. And before you know it, you're questioning God. Doing these things, spending time with the word, renew it because the word is life. You know, and the good thing is, you know, when you, I guess the benefit of having to, to share with you guys is kind of easy in the sense that you come to a church where the word is foremost. You know, time is spent. Your pastors spend time digging into the word to come and equip us as possibly best to face the challenges of life. But they could do that, but we have to do the rest. God has to be and should be. Not first, second, or third, but everything woven into the fabric of our lives. And I say that to myself, sir. Now, we can start having some jokes. Thank you guys for listening. And I pray if you take nothing else away from today is that you would consider what it means or as the scripture says, count the cost and make the Lord the Lord of your life. Not just of your day, but of your life. All right. I'm just going to pray and close off. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord, if we haven't placed you at the center of our lives, Lord. You have sent your son to die for us, Lord, so it shows how much we've meant to you, Lord, but sometimes we don't reciprocate that, Lord. And the thing is, Lord, is not asking much. Consider Everything we have, Lord, is from you, even the breath we, we draw, Lord. So we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to show us your grace and your mercy, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you in a stronger, more meaningful relationship, Lord. And I just put our weeks and our days in your hands, Lord, that whatever challenge may come our way, Lord, we remember who we serve, Lord, a true and living God. 
a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for the cause, Lord. And we ask this, Lord, through your name, Jesus. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.